Welcome to Grace Covenant Church, D.C. You're listening to our weekly sermon podcast. We hope that you enjoy this message. How's everyone doing today? Good. Everybody's doing good, right? You know, I love noise. Um, I live in a house with three boys, and so there's constantly noise happening in my house. And so I think sometimes, you know, when I come to church and I, I listen and, 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 you know, being the speaker today, I just want to encourage feedback. You can say amen every once in a while, right? Yeah. Come on, man of God, right? Yeah. If you feel compelled to run down the aisle and put a doll, a doll at the altar, you can do that as well. <laughs> but feel compelled to do that because if you're quiet, I'm assuming that everyone received a divine revelation and we can all go home. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Man of God? Come on, is somebody going to run down the aisle? Not that, no, none of that. All right, good, good. Awesome. Well, you know, keeping in line with this whole week and just looking at the month, and we've all been listening to the series of the kingdom of God, and really, what does it mean for the church to, to accept, to be a reflection of God's kingdom? You know, Pastor Rich talked about the lordship, and Pastor Donnell talked about a righteousness and justice being the foundation of the throne. And so I want to kind of pick up some of what they shared, but really talk about two additional attributes of how God uses the kingdom of a God and how it's expressed in our lives. Amen. So can I do that this morning? Yes. Great. So first of all, repeat after me. The kingdom of God, kingdom of God is, the is the rule and reign of God, of God through, his son Jesus. through his son Jesus. Do you agree with that? Yes. Awesome. Awesome. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God through his son, Jesus Christ. Rule meaning lordship, that there is a lordship element to the kingdom. Reign meaning the authority. So when we talk about lordship and and authority, you can only receive the authority of Christ once he is lord in your life. And so when we're talking about the kingdom, it's important for us to also understand that the rule and reign of Christ from the throne is as important, amen? Father, I thank you for this word. Lord, I thank you that we can all take this word and go out into the world and be an expression of the kingdom of God. May I increase, may I decrease that Christ may increase. May your word be palatable. May it be clearly communicated to these people, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. And so lordship and, and authority is important, but I want to focus really on two additional attributes that I think are also as important, and it's, it's grace and it's the word. And so when we're talking about the kingdom of God, you know, the word grace and the word is also important. And so the, the question I have is what happens when the kingdom of God breaks into our reality? When we're talking about his grace and his word and how when that breaks into our reality, what happens? And I'm going to use two adjectives because I couldn't find two words to really express it. So I found adjectives. One adjective is transformative and the other adjective is progressive. So take note of those two, transformative and progressive. And I'm going to pick up from uh, Matthew 13:33 as we get into that word. But the two attributes again are transformative and progressive. Transformative meaning that it has the ability to transform, to change, or alter the state of one thing, something. So when something is transformative, it has the ability to break into, transform, alter, or change something from its original state. 
And so we're going to pick up at Matthew 33, thir I'm sorry, Matthew 13, 33. I think we have it on the board as well. Now, can we all read that together? Let's go. He spoke another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid three packs of flour until it was all leavened. You know, I love how Jesus in the gospel, and, and before we kind of get into the word, you know, the gospel of Matthew was a gospel that was written primarily to a Jewish audience. And so when you see references of the kingdom of heaven, and we're talking about the kingdom of God, they're, two, they're synonymous. They're both the same. They have the same expression. Matthew's gospel, again, is speaking to a Jewish community. And so you'll hear me say the kingdom of heaven, but it also has indications of the kingdom of God. Amen? Yes. Okay, you agree with that? Amen? Yes. Amen. All right. All right. I, I, noise. I need noise. <laughs> Come on, man. God. Great. So, so Matthew's gospel, I, I love how Jesus uses the parable of a woman making bread to express the kingdom of God. And he uses the word leaven to give expression of that. And, and for me, as I was reading this passage and studying it, you know, I just did a study on the word leaven. We got any women that bake bread here? You, you, you know, anyone, anyone know how to bake bread? Raise your hand. All right, so I'm going to try to get this right. <laughs> I was hoping no one would raise their hand so I could just... <laughs> but, but, but the word leaven actually in the Old Testament had a negative connotation. So here, here Jesus is using... A, a, a word like leaven, where in the Old Testament when Israel was experiencing the exodus and they were coming out of Egypt, it said that they left the bread leaven, meaning that usually when something is, is unleavened, it hasn't had time to raise. And because they were in a rush to leave, because Pharaoh and his army was racing after them, the bread did not have time to rise. And so we hear that and we see how they remembered that moment and they call that the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Because there is this moment where God delivered them out of Egypt and the bread did not have time to rise. So we're celebrating that as the Passover. And so in their mind, when they're seeing, how is he equating the kingdom of God to leavened bread? Where we celebrate the Feast of Unleavened. That's like on Thanksgiving where everyone's used to eating turkey. You go to McDonald's and get a cheeseburger. Right? How are you equating something that is so sacred, so, so powerful. And you're, you're talking about the kingdom of God. There are great things that you're giving expression to and you're trying to help us understand, but you're using something that we're just, we don't see it that way. There's a negative connotation to it. And so he goes on and he says, the kingdom of God is like leaven a woman took and she hid, which means mixed. She mixed it with flour. Three pecks of flour, which would be like 50 ground, 50 pounds of, of, of flour that could feed roughly about 100 people. She took this leaven, which was, to my understanding, it was leftover dough, right? That had yeast in it. So not only are you taking something that has been used, but it's leftover with yeast that contains living bacteria. And you're mixing it with something that is lifeless to produce something, and you're saying that's the kingdom of heaven. The gospel is offensive, amen? It, it causes us to really think deep about, man, this is messing with my mind. Leaven, leftover bread, 
I can't even picture eating something that has mold. I'm not saying it did, but leftover with yeast and bacteria, and yet you're using this to produce something and saying that's the kingdom of heaven. I have here that leaven is an illustration of the kingdom of heaven. Um, leaven contains, <laughs> leaven contains an active agent and when mixed with the flour over time transforms the original state of the flour. How do we know this? Anyone? We get bread. Usually if the leaven is in the, the dough, the dough rises, there's a physical manifestation of the activity, right? And so we know, and so the title of my message, which I kind of got ahead of myself, is Small Beginnings. The kingdom of God is primarily about small beginnings. Something as lifeless, as simple as flour, when you infuse something of, acti of active life into it, there's a small beginning. The transformative power of leaven God's grace, right? Grace, what else? The word, come on, the word. Grace and the word. Those are the two attributes that we're going to be talking about today. Grace and the word. The transformative power of leaven, God's grace, starts from within the flower, then manifests itself outwardly over time. The dough rises, which is an external manifestation of the leaven. Now get this. The leaven has not done its job until the dough has risen. The leaven has not done its job. The purpose of the leaven, the purpose of that, that, that leftover dough that contains an active agent is to produce something in the new dough that causes it to rise. I got to read it just like this because if I say it, I might say it wrong. At times it seems that we are unable to see the external manifestations of God's grace working in our lives because it's still fermenting in our hearts. That oftentimes when we're looking at our present situation, why is the, the finances the way they are? Why is my health, why, why is just my marriage in shambles? Why am I, why, why? I'm looking for something to rise. I'm looking for something to at least give a simple expression of what the kingdom of God looks like. We've been talking about this for the past two months. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. But I've yet to see it active and, 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 and available in, in, in my life. Why can't I see the kingdom of God in my own marriage? It's still fermenting. It's still fermenting. That yeast, that sugar, that warm water is still mixing. And it's producing gases. Am I right? It's producing gases that are causing the bubbling H2O, I'm sorry, C2O. Carbon, I, almost, I, almost, I was getting ahead of myself, getting too confident. But the bubbles were causing the expansion. That's what's happening in your marriage. That's what's happening with your health. The kingdom of God is fermenting. And so may we not lose focus in that. Amen? Yes. The miracle is... When something inactive like flour encounters something that is active like leaven, growth occurs. God's grace is active. It is an active agent that breaks into our world and changes us from the inside out. I love what Dallas Willard said. Um, he's a theologian. The gospel of the kingdom 
is the realm of God's active goodness informing us in Christ as we follow him. That apart from God's grace actively flowing in our lives, the, the activity, the, the, the presence of God, when we say yes to Jesus as Lord, because there are all the, it's all, everything we've been talking about, lordship, discipleship, um, um, the word, grace, um, the, the righteousness, and, they're all, it's, that's, that's it. It's all one. And when we say yes to Jesus, that activity, that active agent comes in us, and then it begins to give expression so that we can grow. Amen? Yeah. Is that good? Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Great. Well, I'm going to get to the second point. So the first point is the kingdom of God is what? Transformative. Come on. Amen. Y'all, I hope the second service is like this. I'm feeling really good. The kingdom of God is transformative was the first point. The kingdom of God is progressive. All right? Now, I couldn't find a better word, so I used the word progressive because by definition, it happens and develops gradually or in stages, phase by phase, step by step. So when we talk about how, how leaven works itself through dough, the kingdom of God also works itself through us step by step, phase by phase. And there's another illustration that I have that I'll share. It's another parable that Jesus, and I love just how Jesus just uses these parables to just make points so simple. Amen. Sometimes we can overcomplicate things. Jesus just uses dough with, with leftover yeast and, and, and seeds being sown in the ground to make a solid point. And so actually the second parable is the, the parable of the sower. And so we have it on the screen as well. And can we read that together? We're going to read from Matthew 13, verses 3 through 9, and then Matthew 13, verses 18 through 23. So let's read Matthew 13, verses 3 through 9. And he spoke, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them. Others fell on rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth on the soil. But when the soil is in itself, because they had no root, it withered away. And then Matthew 13, 8 through 23. So here you have Jesus sharing this parable, and he actually gives the interpretation of the parable with Matthew 13, 8 through 23. Go ahead. Stop right there. So the first part of that, and the way you got to approach this is there are four different examples of what Jesus is using for soil. The first example was what? The seed is sown on what kind of, what? The ground, right? Right. The second parable, the second example is what? Rocky, right? The third example? Thorns. And then the fourth example? Good, good. So now when we're reading it now, we're looking at the four 
examples of what comes as a result of that. You understand? Okay, let's go. Great. Here you have, again, an example that Jesus is using to reflect the kingdom of God. And in this moment, it is the seeds, I'm sorry, it is the sower's intent to reap a reward from the seed that's been sown. That, that here you have God's only expectation, excuse me, I have, excuse me, God's only sows with an expectation to reap and harvest. All, all four illustrations are what? Seeds being sown on soil. So the two constant variables are soil and seed, right? And you see four examples of how that's happening. You know, Isaiah 55, 10 through 11 talks about God's word. And so when we look at this parable, the seed is really a representation of the word of God. It is the word. It is the kingdom of God that God uses to sow into the soil, which really is our hearts. So when we talk about the word and the word or the seed being sown in the soil, it is, it is God's word that's being spoken to us and the soil being the receptivity of our heart to receive that word. Isaiah 55.10 says, as the rain and the snow fall down from the heavens and they don't return to it void, it doesn't return to it unless it, until it fulfills, it, it waters the ground, it provides seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that's spoken. That when God speaks a word, it cannot return to him void. So when the sower is planting seed, there is an expectation that he will see a harvest come out of that. But the constant variable that we see right here is there are four types of soils that dictate and determine what is coming out of that. And so the seed represents the word of the kingdom, the soil represents our hearts. The parable is an illustration of how God's word, the kingdom of God is received and the impact of the external elements that we see being communicated. Growth is, and this is point two, growth is the ultimate goal but the way one progresses is imperative or develops is imperative. Why is that important? Because hearing the word is not just good enough. That was the reason why the first example, the first illustration, it said that the seed was planted along the roadside, but the birds came and ate it up. And then Jesus goes down and he says, this is what happened. The word was heard, but there was no understanding. Y'all, we, we have for the last couple of months, and I know we've had this before, but we've been intentional about equipping our, our congregation with an understanding of God's word. 
Because it's not just good enough anymore to hear the word. When you're driving to work and you're just playing the music, and you, you've got to take this Bible and you've got to read it, but you also have to read it with an understanding of what it's saying. You can't insert your own interpretation of the word and say hallelujah to it. You've got to read it, and it has to resonate with you. It has to permeate. It has to saturate and dig down deep into you so that when they come, so when situations come, you can pull it out. I know what the word says, and I understand what it means. Because if you don't, the bird will come, perch, and then take away. And actually, one translation says that someone comes and steps on the seed. Come on. I mean, that's, that's, part, that's been part of my life. It's been part of my life. And so this process, this, this, trans, this, this progressive process that I've been talking about is really how the word has to take root in us. You know, it's like a seed that when you plant it, it has to take root in the soil. Both the, both two, the first two illustrations actually give a, a clear depiction that the seed didn't even have time to take root. It said the first one, he scattered it amongst the ground and the birds came and ate it. That means it was visible. So it didn't even break the surface. The second one, it said that it was planted, but because it was a rocky ground and the soil was not good enough, that it didn't have firm roots. And then when the sun came and, and, it, and the heat hit it, it withered away. That word that we're reading, our study time, our devotion time, we've got to let that thing marinate in us. Because if we don't, it's surface. And the roots, the roots that, that really dig down deep into the soil, that really plant us, it is the foundation of our faith. It's, that is a, a progressive it is a timely, that is a, it is a, it is a length of time that has to happen with that. Amen? Amen. And so the seed I have, um, when anyone hears the word in the kingdom and does not understand it, it is the evil one who comes and snatches away what he has been sown in his heart, what has been sown in his heart. And I think that's also important too, is that the word was still sown in the person's heart. So there you go. You can have a word that's sown in your heart, but it's still, you yet lack understanding. Right? Is that, is that, is that true or no? That, that you can have this word and it's good on Monday, but when someone cuts you off on Thursday, <laughs> is that word really knitted? Is it sown in your heart? Or when your wife is, or excuse, when your husband, <laughs> when your husband is, is not having the best day of their life and they come home and they're nagging you and they're frustrated with you and the kids are yelling. Is there something in you that, that comes out that doesn't reflect the kingdom of God? Amen? For all the husbands say amen. All right. May we be a reflection of the kingdom of God. The seed had no time and I use that example. Amen. We must cultivate a soil rich and fertile enough for the kingdom of God to grow in us. We've got to guard the word. It's not just enough for us to cultivate the soil, to dig down and to plant a seed, but it's also important for us to guard this word against any element, whether it's the coldness of life, the, the trials, the tribulations, circumstances that are real. You know, sickness, infirmity, disease, all that stuff is real. 
But at what point in time do you, do you allow those external elements to cause you to uproot what God's word has been saying over your life? When, when you know your marriage is going through a challenge or a test, does God's word still prevail? Is that seed up here on the road or is it deep down embedded in the soil? Amen? God sees things, and this goes back to really the, 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 the progressive. Um, God sees things from an inward perspective and looks for things externally. So the larger the tree, the deeper the roots must be. Oftentimes when we're seeing a tree, we're like, man, that is a humongous tree. That is, a, a, that is just a big tree. But what we fail to realize is as big as the tree is, the roots are deep underneath the soil. Amen? And so for us, we want to be those big trees. We want to be those large trees that, that when, when people look at us, they see, man, this person's got, got you know, they, there's something I see on them. But as much as I see on them above ground, there has to be something much larger below the surface. And that is the root. I'm going to um, use another illustration, and I'm going to try my best. We got any botanists in here? Praise God. Praise God. All right. <laughs> I was watching this. Um, I was watching this. Um, I love how YouTube and all these citations are from YouTube and the Internet. So if anything's valid, you can blame it on YouTube and the Internet. Um, but I was watching this um, five-minute reel on just how a seed germinates. And so what it does is you, you have this person. It was actually a cartoon. My kids would have probably loved it. Um, but you have this, this farmer, and they basically dig a hole in the ground, and they take this seed, and they, they, they plant it. But it's not just that simple, that the soil has to be fertile. It has to have enough nutrients in it that the seed can then attach itself to it to then produce something. And it's not just the soil. There has to be a certain climate. You know, the soil has to be warm. There has to be moisture. And all of that to then allow the seed to take hold of that. And so when we look at really what Jesus was referring to in this parable, the soil really is our heart. You know, for, for most of us, and I'll just share a personal testimony of myself, you know, but for most of my life, and I'm, I'm 42 years old, but I can say for probably more than 50% of my life, my heart was not right. The, the soil in my life was rocky. It was probably concrete, to be honest with you, <laughs> where, where the, the word was, and I grew up in the church. I grew up both. My grandfather was a pastor. I was, I was born and raised in a Methodist church. I went to my mom, my great-grandmother's Southern Baptist. She's still alive. God bless her. I, I, I was in the church, but the church wasn't in me. And so I was that person that heard the word all the time. But because it had yet to take root, because it couldn't penetrate the concrete of my heart, I never got a chance to understand what the kingdom of God looked like. And so going to, to Howard University and, and, and playing football, come on, playing football and, and, and just building on that concrete foundation, that concrete soil, 
not ever having an opportunity for the seed, the word of the Lord, to break through and to really find itself deep below the ground. I just built on that concrete. I, I built an image of what I thought the world would like to see. I, I was a football player, so I was popular. I was, I was um, and most of you did not have the divine privilege of getting to know me before Christ. <laughs> you know, a lot of you did not have that opportunity, and so I, I thank God for that. <laughs> My wife included. But I wasn't right. I was not the kind of guy that you would say, can you come over and you want to come over and just kick it. I was very negative. I was very, I was very angry. I was mad. I was angry. I, fits of rage. I was just a short-tempered, violent person. I was an alcoholic. I did everything but the right thing by a worldly standard, not even by a godly standard, just, just straight along morals. I was a womanizer. I had multiple girlfriends, and I played games with it. it, was, it was, I was that kind of guy, concrete soil. And as much as people would preach to me, and, and, and Pastor Donnell was the first real man of God that came into my life and began to throw those seeds. He was scattering those seeds. He was... <laughs> And he was probably like, God, looking down, like, man, is that seagull keep hitting the ground and just the birds coming and taking it away? But he kept scattering it. He kept scattering it. And at one point in time, I guess concrete decays. <laughs> it gets tired of just dealing with, I don't know if it was the sun that was causing it to decay or the water, I don't know. But I remember a moment, and Ruben, you can come up. I remember a moment as, as clear as I'm sharing with you today. It was the fall of 2000, September in my, in my room. And this was right after I graduated from Howard University. And, and I was just, I was done. I was done. I had created this image that the world uh, uh, saw me as. I, was, I, was, I thought I was making good money. I was actually a merchandise manager for women's accessories at JCPenney's. And I was making like $30,000 and I thought that was balling. And so I lost my job. I was getting ready to get promoted. And so they said, we're going to promote you. But part of your promotion is we're going to send you to Delaware. And I'm like, listen, anyone from Delaware here? I didn't, feel, I didn't feel led to go to Delaware. Amen. I love Delaware. I love Delaware. I did not feel led. Give it up for Delaware, y'all. Give it up for Delaware. Come on. I love Delaware. I love Delaware. But I did not feel led to go to Delaware. In all honesty, the reason why I didn't feel led to go to Delaware was because I had just started a relationship with Pastor Donnell. And this was a man that was scattering seed. And I knew there was something bigger than my present reality. And so when they said, we're sending you to Delaware, and that if you don't take this promotion, you're fired on the spot. That's faith. And so I said, Lord, and I was listening. It had not permeated my heart yet. I said, God, I can't go. There's something here for me that you want to do. There's some unfinished business that I believe you have here for me. And so I turned the job down. I lost my job. So I was unemployed. In that same month, I was in a relationship with a young lady for six years. She was my Howard sweetheart. For six years, I was in this relationship. 
And the Lord said, I want that relationship. So not only did I lose my job, me and her had a heavy, heavy fallout. And he took that relationship from me. So not only did I lose my job, I lost my income, I lost the relationship. I was, I was no longer finding fulfillment and in, 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 in identity and income because I didn't have any. I was broke. And on top of that, I was living with my friend, getting over in a, in a, in a, in a, in a division or an apartment that just, it was just a lot of chaos. And so I had to come with the reality of my soil. <laughs> I had to realize that, dude, this concrete soil and the heat, the sun, the rain, all these elements that are coming down on you, you can't sustain it. And I remember in that moment, September of 2000, I was in my room by myself and I felt the weight of the world coming down on me. I felt the sun. I felt the heat. I felt everything. And I was drinking and I was drinking and I was drinking because alcohol was my escape. And so next thing you know, I begin to take these thoughts of suicide. And I said, Lord, I'm done. I'm done. So what you don't realize is your soil, when it's not right, will cause you to do things unthinkable. This, this, the, the, the condition of my soil almost cost me my life. It almost cost me my life because I began to say, what is the purpose of life? Why? You live, you die, no one cares. And so I begin to drink and I begin to take those thoughts captive. And the next thing you know, I'm outside on the balcony, ready to end it. And I go outside and I open the door and I'm, I'm looking down at this, I'm looking down like, I'm done. I'm done. And all I remember is this, I'm, I'm, I'm not, this is not a movie. I remember this bright light and I saw it. I closed my eyes and I woke up and I was looking up at the sky on the outside of my balcony. I don't know if I was so drunk that I passed out. I know that God had something for me. And I called Pastor Donnell that morning and I said, I'm done playing. I'm done playing. This soil needs to be broken up because clearly what I've been doing most of my life has almost cost me my life. I can't play church anymore. The, the, the consequences are too dire. And he came over that morning and we prayed and I gave my life to Jesus for the first time. And, 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 and understand this, the soil was still not right. He'll tell you, that was 20 years ago. <laughs> and he's not here, thank God, but he'll, he'll say amen. 20 years, he has been Tending that soil. He's been breaking that concrete. He's been, been doing all of this to the point where right now I think my soil is deep enough. I think it's fertile enough. But it was a progressive approach to that. And so my, my plea to everyone in this room today, examine your heart and how is the soil? What is the condition of the soil in your heart today? Are you like that, that one where it's the word is just scattering like seed on the ground and the enemy comes and, and picks at it. 
Or is it rocky where there's a little bit of soil? Or are there thorns and things that are pulling it or choking you so that you can't even understand the word? We cannot be an expression of the kingdom when our soil is not conducive to growth. Amen. Can I pray for you? Father, I thank you. Oh, Lord, I thank you that you can only, you can only make the hearts of us right, God. I thank you that you have done an amazing work in my heart. Lord, I pray that the same work that you've done in my heart, you can do in everyone else's heart. May we be a people who recognize and understand the nature, the condition of our hearts, and that it would be progressive and transformative. Allow us to experience your grace. Allow us to experience and receive your word so that we can take this word, this expression of the kingdom of God, out into the world. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. To learn more about our church or to watch video sermons, visit gracecovdc.org.